welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Well, here we are on this first Sunday of the new year, which is also the second Sunday after Christmas. In fact, for us, the new year started really at the end of November on the first Sunday of Advent. It's it's good for us to remember that the, the story of Jesus precedes the story that is defined by our calendar. Journeying through the story of Jesus as we've been doing since the beginning of Advent kind of makes me think that the four Gospels should have all been subtitled The Adventures of Jesus, because that's really what they are. There is so much that is going on with each story that we're given in Scripture that it's really no wonder that Jesus' life has been the subject of, of so many movies and TV series. In our Gospel text this morning, Jesus and his family have had to travel to Egypt as refugees in order to escape the murderous plot by King Herod. And after Herod's death, they they return, but they have to skirt the heart of Judea because Herod's son, Archelaus, who was a, a character just as nasty as his father, he was now ruler over that area. And so they continue traveling north up into Galilee, and they return to their hometown of Nazareth. Now, all of these travels are directed by an angel who speaks to Joseph. And in seeing that, we see that it's really clear that the protection of this child is a high priority for God. Well, the the disruption to the family is significant in Matthew's gospel. In just a couple of short paragraphs, Joseph and Mary and Jesus travel from Bethlehem all the way down to Egypt. Luke, of course, adds in a stop at the temple in Jerusalem. And then from Egypt, back up through Judea, and finally landing north in Nazareth. That's a lot of traveling, and and a lot of it would have been on foot. It's interesting to stop and think about how Joseph and Mary felt once they arrived back in Nazareth. Unlike the grandeur they had seen uh, in Jerusalem, especially in the temple area, Nazareth would, of course, have just been a small village, a a place where a young family could certainly put down some roots since it was their original home, but it really wasn't anything fancy or exciting compared to other places. And we don't know what they experienced in Egypt, where exactly they landed, but but by the time they came back to Nazareth, they were a lot more well-traveled than the average person of their day. I I have to wonder, were, were they relieved and happy to be home? Or was there just a little bit of disappointment in it? You know the old saying, you can never go home again. Um, That might have been true for them. Yes, they, they were physically in Nazareth, but having seen new and different and sometimes even exciting parts of the world, the old hometown just wouldn't look the same to them. It had probably even changed in some ways while they were on their journey. But home is still home, and when people are displaced, a longing for home is quite natural. The Holy Family's journey was more 
than just an escape from danger. It was a kind of pilgrimage. Now, a pilgrimage is, is usually focused on a, on a particular place or, or, or an experience that, that results in worship or in some form of, of revelation or enlightenment. For the ancient Jewish people, regardless of their locations, pilgrimage was focused on the temple in Jerusalem. It was the worship center of the nation. It was the place where, where God's presence would seem tangible to the people who gathered there. Our psalm for today speaks about that kind of pilgrimage. It speaks of a, a deep longing, a, a profound desire to be where the Spirit of God is present. And whether this psalm was, was sung when people were on their way to the temple, or in later years when people were in exile, the longing was still apparent. A, a longing to be in the place of the greatest desire the place where everything is made right. The stories that surround the birth of Jesus are all stories that have something to do with longing. Mary longs to live as an obedient servant of God. The Magi long to find the king that their studies of the heavens has revealed to them. King Herod's dark longings are for power and domination. And, and Mary and Joseph long for safety, even as they are guided by the hand of God. You see, I, I think that's why I think that the Holy Family's journey was actually a pilgrimage. Uh, they had no final stop as far as they knew. They had no ultimate geographical destination in mind as they traveled, except as they were informed by the angelic messengers. The, the ends of each part of their journeys were temporary and, and served the purpose of hiding them from danger. But in a very important way, they were already in their destination because they were always in the care of God. And even though Mary and Joseph probably didn't realize it at the time. The fullness of God rested in the baby they carried. The purpose of their pilgrimage was fulfilled as they continually responded to God's love and care. And now we find them home again, in Nazareth, where things can never be the same as they were. I had to return frequently to my hometown when my parents' health rapidly declined and then they both passed away in 2019. The town is still familiar to me, but in my visits, my, my brother and I had to run all kinds of errands and we had to attend meetings with, with health professionals and find realtors and that sort of thing. And, and in the process, we, we drove by our old schools, we talked about stores and shopping centers we used to go to that were now gone. We remembered friends who we hadn't seen in years and who most likely had moved away at least. My, my parents' home where they lived for 52 years was a touchstone for us. Uh, and uh, it was like for us the heart of the community even. But, but when we had to sell it, it felt as though our center had disappeared. And once that was done and my parents were gone, there was no reason to return. 
you know, it's still a nice town. But if I were to ever move back there for some reason, things for me would never be the same as they were. I think that we Christians might be going through a bit of this right now. It's especially true, I think, here at the Vine, because there's been a lot of local change for us right on top of all of the global challenges that we share with the, whole, with the rest of the world. Many do feel like it's a time of exile, a, a time when you just can't get home, when home is defined as a specific gathering place for worship. Researchers who study church trends in the U.S. are predicting that when the day comes, when all the restrictions are lifted and we can once again freely and physically join together in worship, things will not be the same as they were. Some predict that the populations of people that call their local churches home have, will have declined significantly if they haven't already, resulting in all manner of challenges. Some church buildings and meeting places will be lost or reduced in size, much like what we see happening throughout our business communities. And yet, the longing continues for many of us, and, and so it should. But if the longing is focused on a return to what used to be, a lot of people will be disappointed but that doesn't mean we aren't on pilgrimage. The psalmist makes several references to the temple when he speaks of the, the courts of the Lord and your house and a doorkeeper in the house of my God. It's clear in the text that the temple in Jerusalem, even after it was destroyed, fostered a sense of longing in the hearts of the people of Israel. But the real focus in the psalm is not really on the temple. The real focus is on God, who is the source of the people's strength, a sun and a shield, one who bestows favor and honor and goodness. Whether their pilgrimage is a reality or a dream, their true longing is for God himself. In his book, You Are What You Love, uh, the philosopher James K.A. Smith says that the most fundamental qu question of Christian discipleship is, what do you want? He claims that this question is, is behind Jesus' invitation to follow him, a, a question that reveals a person's desires, a, a person's longings. I think this is a crucial question for us today as we face an uncertain future. What is it that we really want? As a worshiping community, what do we really desire and long for? You know, this is a, a challenging question in a society like ours that's grounded in consumeristic choice. I mean, that's just the air we breathe. Research shows that people have some level of loyalty toward stores and companies and brands, but are also willing to change quickly, given a better deal somewhere else. Internet shopping has made that movement even more pervasive than it was just a few years ago. 
when I was in high school, uh, I got a job at, as a box boy at a supermarket in my town. Uh, this was in the late 1960s, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And I, I soon learned that there were strong loyalties in those days to certain grocery stores. Um, you had your grocery store, that's the one you went to. You didn't go to that one down the street, that was somebody else's store. And the loyalty was such that, that we knew our regular customers by name and, and our customers knew the employees. The store where I worked was, was like a community of its own in our town. And if someone decided to start shopping somewhere else, they would have to give up on these relationships and start all over, if at all. Now today, if I decide I don't like to shop at my regular grocery store, I feel absolutely no obligation to say goodbye to the people who work there. I don't think I even need to go and explain to the manager why I'm leaving. I don't even know any of these people and they don't know me. So if I want to change, I just go. That's how it works when consumeristic choice is the dominant ethos in a culture. You know, this way of thinking finds its way into churches as well. People move from church to church or sometimes from church to nothing. And they do so frequently and, and often the same way they would change grocery stores. They might say that the move is oriented around uh, preference, you know, things that they want, like, like certain styles of music or a specific theological bent or a, or a structure of the churches that they like or the services that they like or, or, or a particular type of preaching that they prefer. And since there are a lot of churches around, there really are a lot of choices out there. Choices that might meet what people desire, at least for a while. The Roman Catholic scholar Richard John Newhouse, in his book, Death on a Friday Afternoon, wrote these words. In this life and in the world to come, those who follow Jesus will receive everything they want. If what they want is to follow Jesus. While I do not, in any way, consider this pandemic to be a gift, I do think that there are gifts to be found in the midst of it. I believe that it's a gift to recognize how easily our cultural formation impacts our spiritual and relational formation. Because in that recognition, we find the opportunity to embrace a completely different kind of formation, a formation that comes from the hand of God. It's a gift to see that many of the things we desire in the life of the church are insufficient if we see them as the objects of our pilgrimage. Now, we all have preferences in music and preaching and liturgy and so on, I, and I know I do, and, and those preferences are fine when we see them as symbols of the true object of our desire, which is God, who has revealed himself to us in Jesus, whose birth we continue to celebrate in this season. So, 
when the vaccinations have all been distributed, when businesses and restaurants and churches are all reopened, when the dreaded coronavirus is only a dark story in our shared past, what will be the character of our return? If the predictions of the researchers are accurate, then the physical church gathering we return to will not be what we left almost a year ago, if you can imagine. <laughs> will Christians return to their churches looking for their gifts, gifts that they think they deserve? Or will they bring the gifts to the church that God has granted in pilgrimage? Gifts that energize them to serve God and serve others. It's kind of an interesting word, deserve. See, for me to seek only what I deserve, then I have to de-serve. If I'm only interested in serving myself, then I will have nothing left for others. The image that I keep seeing in my mind these days is the closing scene in the Dr. Seuss story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And uh, I, this is not a spoiler alert. This thing was written in 1957, so it's been around a while. Uh, but if you haven't read it, the grumpy Grinch has skulked into Whoville and he's stolen all the commercial symbols of Christmas, the decorated trees, the gifts, you name it, he stole it. And on Christmas morning, he waits to hear the mournful wails of all the Who's in Whoville. But instead, he hears them singing a Christmas song. As they stand together in a, in a big circle, as a community, hand in hand, enjoying the gift of being a people together who knew who they were from the beginning. You know, I've been serving the vine as your temporary pastor, interim pastor, we call it, for four months now. And as I reflect on what I've seen, I believe that I've seen a people and continue to see a people who have been willing to be on pilgrimage. I really like that word, pilgrimage, because it suggests an, an intentional, on-purpose journey, one that people take because they believe it will result in something meaningful and important. I've seen a people willing to engage in a season of restful prayer as we contemplate the next steps for the church. People have stepped up to gather others in prayer, to lead our children, to take part in leading our worship services and to give of themselves for the sake of the poor. The Vines Church Council has continued to move through a season of prayerful discernment, seeking the heart of God before making a plan for the church's next steps. I want you all to know how important this is. Sure, we all have things we struggle with, things that drive us crazy, circumstances that we wish were different, but the fixes to those things cannot be the objects of our desires. Our desires, our longings will only find fulfillment when the object is knowing God. I've been, uh, I've been thinking that our movement through the seasons of the church year, you know, Advent, 
Christmas, Epiphany, and so on, that that movement should be more important to us this year than it's ever been in the past. As the story of God's redeeming and reconciling work in and through Jesus unfolds and is rehearsed and revisited in these seasons, we have the opportunity this year for our personal and shared stories of pilgrimage to find new meaning and purpose in the story of Jesus. Now, I know that we always have that opportunity, but in a year when all our familiar structures and practices have been mostly unavailable to us, we have the possibility of being formed in new ways by the Spirit of God and the story that is shaping our lives. For the ancient people of Israel, to give up on pilgrimage was almost like giving up on God. And so we remain on our pilgrimage because we are not willing to give up on God. The God who has never given up on us. And as the psalmist reminds us, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Amen. And now as, as we seek to do each week, we, we pause for a, a moment of, of truth-telling. Uh, we sometimes refer to this as confession, where we, we look at the realities of our own lives, our own weaknesses, our own failures, and we offer them up to God, the God who already knows these things, and we say, God, we, we know that you know, but we want to confess it to you so that we speak truth about ourselves. And so this morning together, we share these words of confession. Father God, you are the one who leads us from darkness into light, from captivity into freedom, from anxiety into peace, from despair into joy. Yet we long to break free choosing independence, convinced of our own wisdom, forgetting your love and grace. Forgive us, draw close to us, embrace us once again in your loving arms, and enable us to follow you in worship and grateful service each day of our lives. Amen. And now, may the Lord enrich us with his grace and nourish us with his blessing. The Lord defend us from trouble and keep us from all evil. The Lord receives our prayers and absolves us of our offenses for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Christ.
Such an ardent bender Suffered and crucified Forgiveness is in you Descended into darkness You know, we, uh, we don't come to a time of worship like this empty-handed. We bring all of our stuff with us, don't we? And maybe you come today and, and there's just some stuff for you that feels heavy. Uh, you have a particular need and, and we really believe here that we don't need to just sit in isolation, but we come to one another in prayer, coming alongside one another not to fix each other, but to support one another as we take those needs before God. And we've got space for that here at the Vine. And so if you've come today with a need for healing, whether that's physical healing or emotional healing or some area of your life that feels broken, whether you're seeking hope or you're needing provision or, or any, really anything else, then we've got folks who are here as committed prayer ministers to come alongside you and pray. And uh, at the close of our service, you can, you can come through Zoom. We have confidential chat rooms. You can come later in the week as well uh, through what we call prayer calls. 
And all of the information about that is going to be on the screen at the end of our time together today. Uh, this is a time for personal prayer ministry where you can bring your needs to others who will join with you as you bring these things to the Lord. And remember that the Lord knows what you need even before you ask. But he invites you to come and ask. Each Sunday morning before the service, a group of us gather together to pray for the service. And at the time, end of our time of prayer, <clears throat> I always ask people, do you have a, a sense of, of how God is speaking to us today that we may speak to the people of our church and people who have chimed in to our service? Um, something that God has in mind for them. And some of the people praying said that they had a sense that there were people that uh, were carrying particularly heavy burdens. I mean, the kind of thing that just feels like it's, it's in you and it is truly weighting your heart down, almost literally, that God is inviting you to bring that to him today in prayer because God wants to take that on for you and relieve you of that burden. The situation may still be there for the time being, but the burden itself needs to come into the care of God. And there are others who perhaps are really wrestling with a deep fear that the upcoming year that we are in right now, 2021, is going to be nothing more than a continuation of 2020. Um, but the assurance is that God has better things in store for you. Your pilgrimage is not over. Uh, there is joy and hope that God has for you. So do not be shy about this. Come to the place of prayer today. Jesus invited us into prayer. He did so in such a way that he provided us a, a very beautiful way to pray. It's a, it's a framework of prayer, and all of the prayers hang on this framework. It's a prayer that, that points us to the God who loves us and cares for us. So let's pray that prayer together. It's the one that's known as the Lord's Prayer, and we do this along with followers of Jesus all over the world. And let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now we as the people of pilgrimage oriented toward God, we raise our hands at a posture of receiving as you receive this blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ bless you in Christ with every spiritual blessing. May he lavish his riches of grace upon you. May you live for the praise of God's glory. And may you discover the gifts that God has granted to you, finding your strength in him as you set your hearts on pilgrimage. Amen.